It's June 1st, and you are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am super honored that you would take some time to join me. Let's go ahead and jump into our Old Testament reading, and as usual, we'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 through chapter 19, verse 10. David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zerah, and one under Ittai, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I'm going out with you, but his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, for my sake deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode underneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. Ouch, can you imagine? He's he's hanging by his hair. That could not feel good. Verse 10. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What, Joab demanded? You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Joab. We all heard the king say to you and Abishai and Ittai, For my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and then the king would certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor-bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it, and all Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's monument to this day. Then Zadok's son Ahimaaz said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joab told him, it wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. Bahamas continued to plead with Joab, Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son? There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyways, he begged. Joab finally said, All right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahiam ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof 
of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, the watchman said. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, Everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise to the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my lord the king. What about young Absalom, the king demanded. Is he all right? Let's pause. You can hear the heart of a father. David um, is less concerned that the rebels have been stopped and more concerned with his son. You know, I think David knew in his heart that there was a great risk that Absalom would die. And, um, you know, as any parent would probably say, the most important thing, even even when your kids are twerps or you don't have a relationship with them, there's something special about that relationship and, and um, you, you care for them and you can hear David's heart. Hey, you know, we, we beat the rebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about my son? Is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, when Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening. Wait here, the king told him. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my lord the king. Today the lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you. What about young Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Can you hear the agony in those words, my friends? And this all started back um, a few chapters ago when David fell greatly in his sin with Bathsheba. See, our, our sins have consequences. One, one sin, one decision leads to a lifetime of dominoes. Um, this is why uh, we say God's commands are not have-tos, but they're want-tos. See, Jesus comes and he, he lives the commands in the way we can't. And he dies for uh, the, the, the penalty that we deserve. So we're, we're justified, meaning we stand before God. And we don't have to prove, we don't have to bring a list of, of how, why we are good enough or why he should love us. No, that, that's been taken care of in Christ. We're covered, we're purified, we're cleaned. Um, but Jesus rose again as new creation. And in that, he proved that he was who he said he was. Uh, and that he showed us not only that he was God in flesh, but he showed us what it meant to be human. And he invites us to follow him in his words and in God's word and what God would call us to live. And not because we have to. You say, if we're justified, why would we do that? It's because we want to. The Holy Spirit living in us, becoming intertwined with ourself, helping us make decisions and, and, and wisdom. Because when we follow the pathway of Jesus, when we follow the pathway of Christ, it leads to life. And when we do what we want to do, when we're led by our feelings, when we're led by... Uh, our emotions, when we're led by what we want, we make ourselves king or queen, it leads to death, agony, weeping. People say, how could God allow evil? Well, if God allowed humanity, then part of the risk, if you will, is that we would make our own decisions and we would turn against God. And let us not blame God for where we have made mistakes. Let us not be so ignorant, my friends. You know, even as I read this, there right now is a very famous uh, Christian artist who's made millions of dollars off of selling albums to 
Christians in, in, in the Western world. Uh, and, you know, he said that he doesn't believe in God anymore. And one of the things he said was one of the most basic things most people say. I don't believe in God anymore because how could God allow evil? Because God allows us to live. That's how God allows evil. If God didn't want evil, he would wipe us off the planet. And yet God wants relationship with you, despite your imperfections. He wants relationships with me and with others, despite our imperfections. And because he allows that, and because he wants that relationship, yes, of course, there's suffering. Not at the hands of God, but at the hands of, of us, my friends. And we see that in chapter 18. The good news is, is that Jesus' grace covers that. He sends you a Holy Spirit to lead you in this life. And there's a future hope, my friends. There is a hope that one day when Jesus returns, he will restore everything back to the way that it was originally meant to be. And there will be no more pain or suffering because we will all wholly and totally serve God and God alone. You know, another thing that um, this particular person said is if God is real, why doesn't he just make himself more obvious? The guy said, if, if, if God is real and I get there and I, 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 I'm in front of him, I'm going to ask, why couldn't you be more obvious like gravity or, you know, like, like these other things that we don't question in this life? Like, why couldn't you just show up and, and be there? To which, number one, if you stand before God, you're not going to ask questions. I don't care who you are. The ground of all being. The one who created the sun. The sun with his words. The one who has angels around him crying out, holy, holy, holy. You know what you're going to do if you're in front of the throne room of God and you find out he's real? Whether you are a believer or not. You're going to be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. You are going to be in stunned silence. You're not going to say a word. But if if he were to ask that question, I believe God would say, I did show up. Jesus came to earth. He literally made himself known. And yet even in Jesus' time, people didn't believe. And still to this day, with all the mounting evidence that Jesus was a real man who really lived and really rose again, there are people who yet do not believe. See, it has nothing to do with God making himself obvious because he has. It's you being willing to submit to the truth. Jesus did not come for those who are well. He came for those who are sick. So repent from your wisdom. Turn from your wisdom to his today, my friends. Trust in this gospel. That's what I get from this chapter 18. Moving on to chapter 19. And um, I'm going to try to read without much commentary since I spent a lot of time there. But I felt like that was important. Chapter 19, verse 1. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. As all the people heard the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of that day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, We saved your life today and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines, and yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who you love. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would have been pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat at the town gate. And as the news spread throughout the town that he was there, everyone went to him. Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom fled to their homes. And throughout all the tribes of Israel, there was much discussion and argument going on. The people were saying, The king rescued us from our enemies and saved us from the Philistines. 
But Absalom chased him out of the country. Now Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. Why not ask David to come back and be our king again? That concludes our Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon and Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put it. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have power, you will have life, by the power of his name. And that concludes our New Testament reading. Wow, there was so much there. Uh, I was trying to let the gospel speak for itself, but many times there, so much stood out to me. Um, yeah, but the whole purpose, and my whole purpose of this podcast, I think, is verse 31. So let me read that one more time, the very last verse of our reading today in John. 
But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the one who um, culminates God's great plan of salvation, the point of the Bible. I like how at the beginning it said the disciples didn't, um, didn't know the scripture or didn't understand the scripture. It said Jesus must rise from the dead until it happened. You see, he is the, the lens in which we now view all scripture. Deuteronomy is a very hard book to read. It becomes a lot less hard to read when we view Jesus, when we view it through the lens of Jesus, when we view the prophets through the lens of Jesus, when we view the Psalms through the lens of Jesus. That doesn't come naturally. But now that we look at the resurrection of Jesus, we now look back and, oh, all these scriptures now begin to make sense. These are written so that you believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So believe and trust in him, my friends. That concludes our New Testament reading. Finally, uh, we will read Proverbs 16, 14, and 15, and then we will read our psalm in a posture of prayer. Verse 14. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. And we will conclude still reading in Psalm 119, uh, this very long chapter in the Bible, uh, verses 153 through 176. Resh. Verse 153. Look upon my suffering and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your instructions. Argue my case, take my side, protect my life as you promised. The wicked are far from rescue, for they do not bother with your decrees. Lord, how great is your mercy! Let me be revived by following your regulations. Many persecute and trouble me, yet I have not swerved from your laws. Seeing these traitors makes me sick at heart, because they care nothing for your word. See how I love your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your words is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. Powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. I rejoice in your word, like one who discovers a great treasure. I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your commands. I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commandments and laws because you know everything I do. O oh Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. O oh Lord, I have longed for your rescue. And your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you. And may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commands. Lord, I agree with the psalmist in my prayer. And I say, let me live so I can praise you. Lord, I want my life to be an example of praise for you. Your gospel news is so wonderful. Lord, in what you've done for me to justify me, but also in the sanctification, the the way you make me more like you, the way you give me your word and your spirit so that I might live a life that is full of peace and purpose and ultimately fulfillment. Jesus, I love you and I praise you. And it is in your name and for your name that I do this podcast and all else. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading as we begin a brand new month 
of reading together. And I hope that you'll join me back here tomorrow as we're going to continue this journey of reading through the Bible together.